you got Problems that you ought to be concerned with Moolah You don't know how you're supposed to earn it Or what to do with it Or how to keep it You're a freak with a dark shameful secret But you're not the only one Get your hidden financial fears With a blast of sun Now your healing has begun It's bad with money with Gabby Done Hello person who is probably in debt That's right I know your deal You're alright You're in the right place my name's Gabby Dunn, and I, too, am bad with money. So often on Bad With Money, we've talked about how emotional money is. In particular, how bleak it can feel when we realize we're in a bind and are too ashamed to ask for help. At the root of that shame is this sense that if only we could find a way to just keep going, we'd be able to figure everything out. And in these moments of financial crisis, it feels like everything that defines us is about to end. Our lives as we know them are about to be pulled out from under us, and there won't be anything left. In a way, we won't exist anymore. I've told you many times about my parents' attitude when it comes to money, that you can't take it with you and that you might as well spend what you have today in case you get hit by a bus tomorrow. And we've talked a lot about career, a lot about career, and how hard we work, particularly as creatives, to make something that will represent us after we're gone. Right? That's the whole point of art. I guess we're all fighting to leave behind these unique expressions of what it meant for us to be here in the first place. And so we want to earn money for what we do. And earning money for what we do is a symbol of the progress towards that goal. It's a physical manifestation of our relevance in our chosen field. So whether we realize it or not, death is at the center of all these ideas. We tell ourselves we need to figure out our relationship with money before we die, in case we die, or to prevent dying. The problem is, that relationship doesn't end with death. Because death, as we're going to learn on the show today, is fucking expensive. Today, we're going to talk to two friends of mine who lost their parents when they were pretty young. Like me, they're free-willing comedians with poor life skills. Like me, they tend to be pretty unprepared for the harsh realities of adulthood, which made it hard for both of them when they had to go from grieving children to financial stewards for their parents' estates, pretty much overnight. In a bit, we'll talk to comedy writer Steve Bazalone, whose mom died a couple years ago, and left him on the hook for her car, her credit card bills, and the challenge of honoring her life without derailing his own. But first, let's meet Edin Dranger. Edin's a comedian, writer, and fellow podcaster, and she's had to grow up much quicker than most people in terms of her relationship with death, especially when it comes to figuring out how to pay for it. So I was a guest on your podcast, Failing Up, uh, and afterwards you and I got to talking about your house, which is where we were recording, and you told me that it was your parents' house, you'd grown up there, and that they had left it to you when they passed away, and then we got into talking about money and you inheriting this house, and um, that's what made this whole idea for this episode happen, so thank you. Of course. (laughs) I'm so glad you failed in your life to be a guest, (laughs) but yet picked yourself up to uh, enough to host your own. Oh, man. I'm a real success story. (laughs) And so you started going into how both your parents had passed away and how this is where you live now and you're sort of taking care of this house, Um, backing up to just your mom passing away. Mm -hmm. um, How did money sort of play a role in her death? I didn't really see much financially out of that. I got her cell phone. I have. I still have her cell number. It's like a two one three number. Oh which my is very, god! If you're from LA, you, it's like extinct. It's discontinued. But I do remember though being a kid, and her kind of 
taking me to the bank and going to deposit checks, which I always thought was really cool and I didn't see other parents doing that because I, I, I was all of a sudden, you know, when I was old enough to cash checks, I knew exactly what to do. And when I was a kid, I just thought it was fun to press buttons. (laughs) I thought the ATM was the coolest thing, you know. And then I was older and I learned it's like a cesspool of germs. (laughs) But I just thought – I always thought that was really interesting that my mom made it a point to, to like, take me with her to the bank and show me how it works. Do you remember any, like, your dad saying anything about, like, funeral costs or, like – I do know it was very expensive because we buried her in Israel – Oh, right. You were saying. Yeah. And um, however, I don't think my dad actually ended up paying for it. I think because her brothers really wanted to bury her there. So I think they kind of put a hand in that. Um, but it's expensive to like fly a body. Oh, and do the whole so thing. expensive. Yeah. And you have to – they also – you have to fly with the body. <laughs> so like – Oh, God. So and she, you're just, like, on a plane, and you're like, under this plane is my mom's dead body. Like, Yeah, and you're like, you know, if we crash, then, well, you know, she doesn't have to suffer, I oh guess. Oh, my God. <laughs> One less body suffers. Oh, my God. It's really morbid. I know. It's so bizarre. So that was kind of insane. Um, and the thing is that my mom didn't leave a will, and that created a lot of problems. That's also why my sister doesn't talk to me. I, I think she didn't realize that... She had more than she had, which I what think is— What do you is, mean? So that's that's the thing. Her mom owned a hotel in Israel, mm-hmm. and it's a building. And with buildings, it's kind of tricky because it's not owned by one person. It's owned by, like, many people. Right. So her mom actually owned part of a building, and her mom had three kids. My mom was one of them. So they have a percentage of the, the building, yeah. yeah. And the building was still there, and it was still being occupied. So she didn't, like, get money for it, but, like, 10 years after she died, they decided to sell the building, and all of a sudden it was worth something. And she never said who got any money from that. She never designated. Well, she never had a will. So what happened was it kind of, I mean, according to Israeli law, it went to my dad, and my sister got really mad that she thought it should go to her. Oh. And, and me. But I went to my dad, and my dad decided he would take half, give half to me, and then half to my sister. And my sister thought, no, my dad shouldn't get any of it. So, oh. yeah. So that's why you need to have a will. Yeah, because you avoid these, like, people don't talk to you <laughs> for, like, ever. It brought up a lot of issues. Like, my dad felt, oh, well, my sister didn't take care of my mom when she was sick. She was never around and all this yeah. stuff. So it brought up a lot of other things. Money is just, like, the Band-Aid. That we like to blame stuff on, mm-hmm. but it really it's a lot of other things. Although, but but then at the end, it's like it's kind of sad that money is really what we're all mad about. So then, why do you think she didn't leave a will, and why did it cause so much chaos? I think she didn't leave a will because I think she didn't want to. I mean, this is like just like money. People don't want to talk about death. Death is a taboo that nobody wants to talk about or acknowledge. They're in denial, and then money is also a taboo that nobody wants to talk about and that they're in denial. Yeah, of course. So when you combine them, yeah. You get the will, basically. A will <laughs> is basically a hybrid, a synergy, if you will, of money and death. And nobody – and if you don't have a will, you're just, like, turning the most blind eye. You're like, I. this is both things that I do you're, not wish to speak about. You're basically lifting up your arms being like, I can't. I just can't right now. And just being <laughs> like that, that asshole. Like, I just can't. I just can't deal with this right now. And you're just doing your family a disservice. There's another layer to this whole thing with you, which is – that later, how old were you when your dad passed away? So I was 24. 24. So I'm 28. And one of the big reasons I wanted to talk to you, too, is because my friends are dumb pieces of shit. 
<laughs> ages like 23 to 28, let's say. Right. If their parent passed away tomorrow, one, not let alone both, I think they would be like, I don't even have any idea what a mortgage is. Yeah, I know. Isn't that and, crazy? Yeah. And so you're 24. Your mom has already died. You lose your dad to brain cancer. Um, what changed all of a sudden? I know you were all of a sudden the owner of the house. Like, what happened? Right. Well, so and this is being very honest because uh, I'm not sure people will, would, would normally disclose this. But, like, when my when my dad died, he didn't write a will either. Oh, my God. But listen, so, like, four weeks before he died, he was borderline not lucid. Okay. Um, I got, like, a lawyer as fast as I could, and we wrote up a trust, and we put in bank account numbers and all this stuff, and we got him to sign. And if you actually look at that will or that trust, actually, a will is very general and simplistic. A trust is avoiding way more chaos. Well, how did you know that? You just went to a lawyer and were like, I know this is about I to happen. I had a friend who was, uh, luckily, I, I don't know, I have friends that are, like, in their 40s. <laughs> and she lost a dad to leukemia, and she told me, she's like, oh, you got to get a trust, girl. So, so what was the trust? So do your research before you get a lawyer because this lawyer sucked and screwed me over. So my trust was like kind of invalid. There's supposed to be witnesses. Oh, right. And there was only one witness, not three. And so I had to get another lawyer cut to like four years later to fix all this. Yeah. And the lawyer that I had at the time ended up being disbarred. It, okay. A mess. I was very stressed, though. My dad was dying. People are telling me, like, you got to get a lawyer. You got to get a trust. He has no will. What's going to happen? It's going to go to probate. What's going to happen? So, so if he didn't have a will, the house would go to probate? Yeah. And if that would have gone to probate, what would happen was I would have to pay either out of pocket a lot of money to LA, like, courts. Yeah. Like, 30% of what the estate is worth. And I don't think I would have had enough money to pay all that. And so you were just learning on the go? Like, people were telling you, like, look, you're about to be an orphan. Like, this is what's happening? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the short of it. Uh, and so I got that done. And I even if you look back at the, like, the original will, like, the signature does not really look like his. Yeah. He was so not really with it. So after he died, I literally just went to Bank of America. And I was like, here, my dad died. Here's the death certificate. Here's the trust. And in like 10 minutes, they opened up what's called a trust account. And what that means is that if there are checks that come in the mail, whether it's like reimbursement from like insurance or stuff Mm -hmm. like that, um, I could cash it and it would give me access to his bank account. But in his account, he had like, I think he was overdrafted by like $2,000. Why? So when you have brain cancer, you basically have Alzheimer's, but like a very, very bad case of it, depending on the location of the tumor. So he was just buying stuff that he didn't need, and it was just not being rational. And on top of that, he forgot to pay his bills. Uh, And there were automatic payments, automatic mortgage payments, automatic car payments. And then on top of that, just like credit card bills that he just did not pay. What was he buying? Um, Weird stuff at Costco because he always liked Costco. Mm -hmm. So it's I always imagine that if this happens to you, what it's you're you're still the same person, but it's just magnified. Yeah. So he would just go to Costco and I guess like live his little boy dream and just buy every treadmill and jar of mayo. Yeah. So by the time you were like looking at the trust, it was in the red. So the funny thing is, the money from my mom's estate in Israel was kept in a bank in Israel. And before he died, I was like, my dad has no money. We have to transfer that money, like, right away because I only have, like, $1,000 in my bank account because I'm just a 24-year-old person. Right. And, and like, there's going to be funeral costs and, like, what I, I can't be with that money. So, so you knew that your mom's money was in Israel. Mm-hmm. So we transferred that 
to um, my account here. And that's what allowed me to, A, put his bank account not in the red anymore. Yeah. And then also pay for the funeral. How much was the funeral? So, and I actually, I did what's like, I like to call it the Ikea of funerals because <laughs> I chose like the bottom of the line, like the least adorned, like not glitzy at all. So I paid about $10,000. That's still crazy. I know. That's still so much money. But granted, he wasn't cremated. Yeah. Cremation is the cheapest. My parents were Jewish, and even though I don't think my dad really cared, it was all the other people putting pressure on Judaism me. is rough about cremation, yeah. Right. So I was like, I can't. I guess I can't cremate him. And I didn't even do it the right Jewy way because you're supposed to bury them in the ground, and I didn't have money because that's, again, if you buy, like, a plot of land, that's real estate. Yeah. So um, that's why people buy them in, like, the 60s for, like, $10. and let, like For their know. family for the rest of forever. That's, like, the smartest thing you can do, though. If I you want to give your family a gift, you should have bought land, like, 30 years ago. For their future funeral plots. Exactly. So you don't have to, like, you know, burden them when they get older and die. So did you have any idea that it was going to cost this much? I didn't until my dad was, like— nearing death and I did like the six feet under field trip I went to like five funeral homes yeah and I just kind of like looked over the cost and I was pretty shocked that they demand so much money like I chose like the cheapest version and it's crazy and it's like they're dead they're not gonna even appreciate this <laughs> also it doesn't it feels like they're grifting you they're like grifting oh, like an emotionally vulnerable person it is for such, tons of money it is the biggest scam so your your dad didn't go in the ground you put him in the he's in a mausoleum yeah. which is a wall can you talk to me a bit about becoming the owner of your parents' house? It's very strange. Did you teach yourself, like, what a mortgage is and how you had to pay it? And I wasn't quite sure what a mortgage was. <laughs> I mean, I thought I, I was like, okay. I, I mean, my dad taught me when I was little, like, oh, if you buy a house, yeah. you put in a little bit of money, mm-hmm. and then the rest the bank pays for, and then you pay the bank a little more, so they get paid too. So I understood the concept of mortgage, but I had no idea what a, like, 30-year fixed is. Which right and and or or like you know uh, what interest rates were like I just thought that makes you sound cool at dinner parties like <laughs> by saying oh the interest rates are really high or really low like so I, how did you learn so I learned by uh, opening up my mail and looking oh my god this is the thing we talked about at Eden's house about how she doesn't want to go through her mail yeah which I don't want to open my mail I had a writer Molly McAleer on the show she doesn't go through her mail like it's like mail has become like the enemy of this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like I don't want to look. I don't want to look. Yeah, because you look and then it's you'll get something that you inevitably can't understand or that is some sort of bill that doesn't make sense and you're like, "Well, I'm a dum-dum and I'm poor now." Exactly. It really it I don't know if it's bad or good. Because on one hand, I think it's it's bad that like you shouldn't let numbers rule your life. Yeah. But you also shouldn't put your head in the sand and not deal with it. I know. So other than the house, you had debt from your dad, right? Some debt. So here's the thing. And that gets passed on to the children. No, that's the thing. If your parents were in the hospital and they get all these hospital bills and people are asking you for money, don't pay them money. You don't owe them money. You're Sure, your parents are going to be, your dead parents, I should add, are going to have a really bad credit score. But they're dead, so But who they're cares? dead. Who cares? You're totally, like, it is such a waste of money. And if you have credit card stuff... So my my dad's secretary was like, 
they know they're not going to get money. Like they, they have so many people not paying them after a credit card debt. So if you want to negotiate with them just so you'll feel better about it and like close it. Like my dad, I think, had a credit card balance of like $30,000 to pay. So I had them on the phone and I was like, look, um, my dad just died and I'm not working right now and all this stuff. All I can pay you guys is $5,000. And they were like, okay. Just to close it out. And I was so mad that I didn't ask for less. Ha! They know that they'll probably, like, most of the times they just don't get The person just dies with their debt. Yeah. So if they can get anything, they're just delayed. And I was like, I shouldn't even have paid that. People assume that, like, I'm an heiress or something. Oh, what do you mean? Not an heiress, but, like, I think afterwards a lot of people were like, oh, you can just pay for stuff. You don't, you're fine. Sorry your parents died. You can cover it, Eden. It's like, no, I didn't inherit, like, like a ton of money. They weren't, like, you know, Warren Buffett or anything. (laughs) It's not like I had—I wasn't a trust fund baby at all. Like, people have this idea that if your parents die, then they've left you all their money and it must be so much money. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, if if the parents went away for the weekend and you're left with the house and you could party all the time. (laughs) Now it's, like, permanent. It's not like that. And a lot of people asked to borrow money from me. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I need to borrow money. Because that's the thing that's different from like me and then a normal 20 year old is that they can always run home and get a sandwich. I was thinking to myself, it probably would have been easier for me had I been like 12 or 13, like when my mom died, because then I know all the stuff would have been sorted by an adult. Yeah. But then in this case, you're the adult. But in this case, like, you don't have parents. You're the adult. Yeah. That's why I got a financial advisor, because I was like, I've never had more than $1,000 in my bank account. I don't know what to do with money. I'm really scared I'm going to lose it because I wrote a $10,000 check. I've never done that before. Yeah. To, to like, pay for a funeral. Yeah. So I was like, I think I need help. Just doing all that. So so that's why I have, like, you know, a couple of adults in a high-rise building in Westwood. As a creative person, has this death of both your parents and all of this financial stuff, has that made things easier or more stressful? Has it made you want to stick with the creative world? Or has it made you be like, I need to get a 9-to-5? It definitely, I mean, <laughs> half of my anxiety is sourced from, like, where am I getting money this month? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure Gabby can relate to that. And and most people in L.A., even if you're a famous actor, you're thinking that, too. Because yes. you have an upkeep. Um, so I do stress out about it more than I did before. However, because both my parents died and they died young, I do appreciate life and I treat life differently. So I also don't want to compromise my happiness and do a job I don't want to do just so I can feel, quote unquote, financially secure. I love being creative and I don't want to compromise my happiness and my career for that. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it because then I don't want to be like, you know, I could also get hit by a bus and all this. Oh, yeah. Nobody knows that better. I don't think. Do what you love for as long as you can. Okay, now let's meet the aforementioned Steve Bazalone. Steve spent years being broke and living on the brink, but now he's made it as a TV writer. When his mom died a couple years ago, he discovered it's a good thing he did. Otherwise, he might not have been able to pay tribute to her life, literally or figuratively. Okay, first question yep. is, do you think of yourself as a financially responsible person? No. You know, I think as I've gotten older, um, in the last, like, five years or so, I feel like I have, 
I have been thinking that I'm less financially irresponsible, but that's not true. The only thing that has changed is that I'm doing better. So I'm not as aware. <laughs> You're just of, making more money. I'm not as aware of how financially irresponsible I am because I have a lot more padding. Like previously, like in my 20s when I had no padding, I'd be like, motherfucker, how did I not send in the electric bill? Right. How did I forget to do that? Right. And I would beat the shit out of myself for doing stuff like that. And then now it's on auto pay and you don't even realize that it's getting taken out. Uh, sometimes, but I did still like uh, like three weeks ago get a letter in the mail from the gas company being like, yo, you haven't paid in six months. You have to call this number by tomorrow or we're shutting it off. I'm a 35-year-old person and that happened to me. Well, how do you think of money? Like why, why are you like this? Why are you like this? Uh, why am I like this? I think because <laughs> it was never ingrained in me. I never like learned about it. I think I was saying this to Sam last night when we chatted, my best friend Sam. Um, right. My producer. Yeah. So I've known him longer. Yeah, but I know, but we really clicked. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Um, but I was saying that, like, I think by nature of what we do, we don't have the same uh, regimented thing that other people have. Like, it's not like we graduate school and then we start at a base level at a company that we work at for seven years. And then we move to another company, but in the same field, and we're there for eight years. And then we move to some other place, and we're there for 15 years. So you're, right. like, constantly, like... At 22, you're building your retirement because you get stock options or you get right. a 401k. And all we these. don't we have don't, that. We didn't have that shit. Like, I just went into a ton of debt just, like, betting on myself by not taking, like, a real job. Right. Like, writing for magazines and newspapers no, and just too. writing a bunch of specs and shit and just, like, being broke as shit. Yep, same. <laughs> and that was, like, my version of, like, betting on myself. But, like, it didn't afford me the opportunity to, like, plan for my future. I mean, I guess the, both my parents thought about the future. Mm-hmm. But specifically my mom, I think it was always, like, Live well and take care of yourself and the other shit will will work out. What were the, like, financial lessons from your mom dying? I come from, like, a big family. I'm mm-hmm. only an only child, but my mom was the oldest of nine. Oh, wow. Uh, and my dad only has one brother, but his, the one brother has five kids. Mm-hmm. So there's just, like, a lot of people. And I've been to, like, a ton of funerals. Like, I've been, like, a pallbearer, like, eight times. I've given <laughs> f- f- eulogies three times. It's just, like, it's not – I'm always Are you astounded. the Kennedys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, like, the very lowbrow Pittsburgh version of Kennedys the that Kennedys. nobody gives a shit about. Great. So, like, death was normal, very normalized, but I was never, like, the first line of defense. When my, all my grandparents died, you know, moms or dads or their brothers and sisters were taking care of all the shit. Right. Whereas with my mom – only child, and I was, like, the full-on executor, right. even though, you know, she is a stepdad, who, or she has a husband who's my stepdad, who's, like, a great dude, but, like, you know, they've been together for 10 years, and I'm, like, the only son, so, like, everything was, like, it's mine. And what does that even mean? Well, it just means you have to, like, you have to close the estate, which, even though, like, my mom did not have a ton of assets, she, like, had a house mm-hmm. and, um, you know, a car, and uh, she had a life insurance policy and, like, you know, just bills, the things that you have from a life. It wasn't like right. she had, like, properties here and there and a whole business. It wasn't, right. like, it wasn't, like, complicated. And there wasn't, like, a bunch of other different parties vying for it. And it still took me a year to close out the estate because you also you have to, like, settle out debts. Did you have to pay debts? Yeah. It's this uh, great crossroads of something that's terribly sad and a huge bummer and also this bureaucratic – it's like being, like – it's like having a funeral at the DMV. Yeah. It's like sad as shit, but also like you have to fucking I have to be on hold forever. Yeah. And then I gotta like wait in lines and I have to go I had to go I remember I had to go to Bank of America like six times because she knew a year be- year and a half before she passed, she knew she was di- diagnosed with stage four cancer. So I was like, okay, the writing's on the wall. Um and she like, you know, took care of most of the things. But a thing that she didn't do that would have helped me out immensely is had she put me as like a cosign on the house on 
especially the bank accounts. The bank accounts was the most difficult thing mm-hmm. um, because, like, I had to go and, like, prove to all these places that she was dead and that I was the executor. Did you know you were the executor? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I, it's hard to it's, – the whole thing's kind of swimmy because it was just, like – Yeah, a, I bet. A period of, of – because you didn't want to talk about it too much because you're like, no, everything's good. Let's not yeah. focus on the time when you're not here. Um, so I didn't really ask <sighs> a about that. But that's the thing, like, you have to do. You have to. I, I also, I mean, I think you have to, but I also, uh, I think it's maybe, I don't know, I was going to say it's incumbent on more of the person who is dying. But yeah. also it's like, you're dying. Fuck, do whatever you want. If you want to leave people a mess, sure, go ahead. And my mom <laughs> did not leave me a mess at all. I mean, there's like debts and shit. Yeah. But like, I don't, I don't begrudge that. Who cares? She was living her life. I think it was actually the first time uh, as an only child, it was the first time where when she died or as, when she was really sick and when she was dying, that was the first time in my life where I was really like, oh, it'd be nice to have another one of me. Right? It'd be nice Siblings. to have, like, a partner, or, you know, somebody else to, like, help with this. Yeah. Because I lived cross-country and that, like, always felt shitty that I was not there as much as I wanted to be and always flying back and forth. And then also just, like, I don't know, shouldering the the burden of all this shit. It's just a slap in the face when you're already down. Yeah, yeah, and I know it's like, it's. I'm sure there's like people out there who have been through this before, and like, yeah, of course, bro, you have to yeah. deal with that. That's being a fucking adult. But I was like, well, I'm like a tiny little baby. Yeah, <laughs> I don't do this stuff. You, you're for doing it for a parent. You're like, but I'm the kid. So were you just figuring out the different things that you needed to do as they were coming up? Yeah, mostly. First and foremost, it was like planning the funeral. Right. So, you know, they take the body, the whatever funeral home. And then you have to go and decide, like, she wanted to be cremated. So then you have to go to the funeral home and you have to, you know, pick out an urn. And you have to pay for cremation fees. And mm-hmm. you have to pick out, whatever uh, you know, um, cards for, like, the the services with, like, a picture and a, and a quote. Yeah. And tell them what that is. And you have to call up whatever papers and, do you know, the obit do the and obituary do the and, like, and... how much per word. It's like, you know, whereas a wedding is, like... You're basically spending a year planning just a party. Mm-hmm. It's a fun party, but this is like you're spending two days while you're sad as shit <laughs> planning <laughs> a, a very, very sad party. Do you know what it all added up to? Um, I think all the funeral stuff in, ta- in total was like 10 grand, mm-hmm. 12 grand, something like that. And then like settling everything, which there's a, you know, a car, uh, you know, paying, she owed money on a car yeah. and stuff like that. Like all that was probably like 30. Okay. 35. I don't know. Somewhere I like, I wasn't keeping track because it was like, again, right. not great with money. And B, also <laughs> sad stuff. So let's not really pay attention to, let's just like get it done. I guess before this, I kind of thought like a lot of little bills would just go away. Like, oh, they died. That's sad. <laughs> you get a pass. But, like, no. Like, I paid, like, her Amex bills. I paid, like, a bunch of credit card bills. Like, a bunch of, like, little bullshit bills. Yeah. The only company that in all – out of all, like, the utilities and bills and shit she had that was, like, when you called and said, like, y- you, this – they're dead was, I think, AT&T, the phone. Was, like, don't worry about it? Yeah. They're, like, oh, we're so sorry. No, we'll take care of that. Or, like, we'll expunge it or whatever. Hey. The only company. I was, like, wow. Like, there was um, – she had a bunch of Amex points. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a thing where I just let it go because it was like I had to get like a death certificate, proof that I was the executor and like uh, three other things. And then also I had to uh, – I could only get them in gift cards or something, the points. And I was just like – but I'm – it was just like the most ridiculous thing. And it was like at the tail end. I was like, fuck it. I don't care. 
I just don't. Eat your points, Amex. Yeah, yeah I, feel, I hope you feel great about this. You made it hard for me to, like, cash in on a dying woman's points. But there's also, like, another side of that where, like, I don't know, I think in, in some ways it's nice that there's loose ends to be tied up because once those loose ends are gone, yeah, um, it, I don't know, it just feels like a chapter closed, and that's a little bit of a bummer. I think a lot of, like, the listeners and stuff are young, and and I think they have this mentality of, like, well, if anything goes wrong, I can run to my parents. So the point that I wanted to press with this episode is, like, you know, what happens to you when all of a sudden the parent is gone? Well, I will say to, like, the younger listeners, uh, and this was my experience, uh, but I've also talked with other, you know, friends of our, peers of mine, and had similar experiences, that a thing happens kind of... Um, without you recognizing it, that, like, you slowly go from child mm-hmm. to peer, and then it somehow comes full circle, and it's almost like you're the parent. Yes. It sounds um, marginalizing, but, like, they are, like, that's the way life works. There's a, it's an arc. You mm-hmm. go up so high, and then it's just you're starting to go down. Right. And, you know, my um, I think that there's just, like, an imperceptible shift, and that's something that, like, has struck me more than anything. Like, I remember when I was um, when I was a kid, like, I have a grandfather, Joey B. He's great. And then I have my dad, who's effectively, affectionately Big Lar. Right. So when we go out, we go out for, like, you know, pizza or whatever. Joey B would always pick up the tab. Uh-huh. And then we're getting, like, high school and college. And, like, shortly after that, all the three of us would go out. Dad would always get the tab. Right. And then, like, I don't know when it happened, but, like, some around, like, last five years, whenever we go out now, like, I get the tab. Right. And it's just like an interesting – it's like a it's like a, a, a Beckett play. It's just like, you know, a very short thing of just like, well, you start here and it's just like – it's it was imperceptible. And I only like now that I've like in that world for a while, I noticed like, oh, wow, that changed. I don't even remember it changing. But I just I, had that too. I just took over my own student loans. Yeah. And I said to my mom like, is that helpful? And she was like, didn't want to admit it and then was like, for it would sure actually it is, be though. really yeah. helpful. And I was like, great. Yeah. Or, like, I used to go home and go shopping with my, like, it would be like, we're going to go, like, you're home from college. We're going to go shopping. It's winter break or whatever. Like, and she would just, like, love to take me to the mall. And I went home in September and we went to the mall and I bought all the stuff. Like, I bought my own clothes. And she was like, why? And I was like, because I can buy my own clothes. I'm 28 years old. Yeah. Well, it's also like, I mean, I'm not even saying this, like, um, from a point of, like, that you have to. No, just, like, There's if you point, can. Yeah, or whereas, like, like, it was such yeah. a joy. Like, these people who, like, did so much for me. And, like. And the point was never that she bought me the clothes. The yeah. point was spending the time together exactly. at the mall. So I was like, that's not, like, believe me, it's my pleasure. And, like, when I had the opportunity, like, the last couple times I was in, in Connecticut, like, we would, my mom and I would go shopping or something. And I'd buy shit for her because it just felt nice. Yeah. It was like. Look, this is like I'm giving back to you. Like mm-hmm. you supported me doing musical theater in high school. Like I went to college for acting. What the fuck? And you were and you loved it. You were so into it. And it was not like a cheap college. Yeah. Like you have been both of my parents are so amazing. Like any way I can give back to that is like worth its weight in gold, I think. You always hear young people say, well, I can ask my parents for money. Or there's all these articles about how millennials rely on their parents. They move home or they get a monthly stipend or whatever it is. And I wanted to know what would happen if you completely took that away. Not only that, but now you're the adult. Now you've crashed headfirst into being the person in charge of the mortgage and the estate and all the words that you don't even know what they mean. I wanted to know what that would mean for me in the future. 
because we talk a lot about my own parents' money problems and how hidden they are and what would happen if, God forbid, something happened to them and I had to just parse through all of their stuff and we don't talk about it. I wanted to make an episode that would embolden me and hopefully you guys to go to your parents and talk about these things before it all falls into your lap one day because we're all fragile human bodies made of tissue paper and you don't want to be making this plan while you're grieving because it's important when you're going through the actual thing to do a lot of self-care and to take care of yourself and to slow down and to really feel the grief and the feelings and you don't want to have to be doing the practical stuff while you're doing that. I'm going to find out if my parents have a will. They probably do. It's probably written on a napkin for some sports bar. Thanks for listening to Bad With Money. If you like the show, please rate us in iTunes, subscribe, and tell all your friends who are also bad with money that this is the show for them. Also tell your friends who have so much money they can afford to just buy their way into the secret afterlife that only rich people know about. We're part of the Panoply Network. Our producer is Sam Dingman. Laura Mayer is Panoply's director of production. And Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. Our engineer is Roy Salguero. Our original music for the show was composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Our show art is by Cameron Glavin. I am Gabby Dunn, and I will talk to you next time. Hopefully. Right? Bye!